Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. I'm going to ask you to stand today as we read our scripture to start. If you have your Bibles or if you're online, please turn with me to Isaiah 53.5. I am going to read it twice in two different versions. One, the first one, the NIV, and the second time in the New King James Version. Isaiah 53, verse 5, NIV. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The New King James Version says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now we're going to fast forward to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 8, and I'm going to read to you verses 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, I'm reading from the NIV, and it says, when evening came... Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. This is speaking of Jesus. And he drove out all the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you've already done something amazing. But I just pray now. As your word goes forth, that you would do only what you can do. That Holy Spirit, any thoughts in our mind, anything that might be a distraction, we lay it aside. I ask that you remove it. And today, you will let your word land the way it needs to land in each and every single one of us. But do only what you can do in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. So a few weeks ago, I had the honor and privilege after the 60th of preaching, and somehow again after the CAOG, (laughs) last weekend, I have the honor and privilege of preaching again. Um, So I'll do my best. Hard acts to follow. But a few weeks ago, I preached a sermon called, Do You Know What You Have in Jesus? And I talked about Romans 8.17, which says that if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we are sharing his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. I talked about the fact that we are a co-heir with Christ. That we have an inheritance. That on this side of earth, on this side of heaven, Jesus has the best benefits package ever. Now I must say this though with a qualifying statement. This only applies if you are a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. You can't have the benefits of Jesus if you are not a follower of Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus. So you need to know, he has the best benefits package ever. Psalm 103, verses 2 to 3 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Today, I want to talk to you about one of the benefits that are a part of this benefits package of Jesus. And it's healing. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes today, is called, Jesus, My Healer. I want you to say this out loud and type this in the chat. Jesus is my healer. Type this in the chat again. Say it out loud. Jesus is my healer. Before I talk to you about healing, though, I have to talk to you about sickness and address some things about sickness first. 
And the first thing I need to tell you is this. Sickness is not from God. Let me say this one more time. Sickness is not from God. Let me say it again so it sinks deep. Sickness is not from God. If sickness were to come from God, how many of us in the room, show of hands online, ever been to a doctor? Please put your hand up. Put your hand up for any reason. Put your hand up. Okay. If you've been to the doctor for any reason and sickness is from God, then we're all in direct rebellion to what God's will is. You shouldn't go to the doctor if sickness is from God. You don't need medicine. or You shouldn't. If you have a common cold, whatever, you shouldn't be seeing the doctor if sickness comes from God. If sickness comes from God, then Jesus himself, when he was on earth, is in direct disobedience to his father because he shouldn't have healed anyone while he was on earth. He shouldn't, but he did. So sickness does not come from God at all. Another thing I need to address is this, is God does not use sickness to discipline us. And here's what I mean by this. I am a dad. I have two boys. All right? When my boys step out of line, yes, do I discipline them? But I don't give them sickness. <laughs> I don't give them chicken pox. Hey, listen, you didn't clean your room. Here's some chicken pox so you can learn your lesson. I don't say, here, I'm going to give you the flu so you can learn your lesson. That's not discipline. And listen, we have a good, good father in Jesus Christ, in God, the father. And he doesn't use discipline. He doesn't use sickness to discipline us. It just doesn't make sense logically. Luke chapter nine, verse 56 in the New King James Version says this. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Let me say this again. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. You need to know the Greek word used in this verse for the word save, is called zo-so, so-zo, which means to deliver us, to save us and preserve us, to heal us, to give us life, and to make us whole. Sickness, if you've ever experienced it, is a destroyer. Jesus, the last time I checked, is not a destroyer. He doesn't go around and saying, I destroy you, and I destroy you, and I destroy you. But sickness destroys you, not just your physical body, but it costs you more than just your health. Ask the woman with the issue of blood, it costs her all her wealth. Sometimes sickness can cost you relationships. It costs you time. It costs you purpose. It costs you life. Sickness is a destroyer. So, If sickness is not from God, and if God doesn't use it to discipline us, then we must talk about where sin actually, or where sickness actually originated from. T.L. Osborne says this, that Satan is the author of sickness, pain, and disease. If you go with me to John chapter 10, verse 10, the very first part Jesus is talking about, he says this, the thief comes to steal kill, and destroy. To kill, steal, and destroy. Sickness fulfills all three of those. 
All three of those. And the thief referred to in this verse is Satan, by the way. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking some, for someone to devour. You need to understand that when the fall of man happened in Genesis, sickness also entered into the world. And it's one of Satan's greatest tools to destroy mankind and any of God's creation. Because that's his number one goal. It's to distort, disrupt, destroy, and corrupt God's creation. That includes humans. Sin and sickness are Satan's evil twins. They are his twins. But here's the thing. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, salvation and healing are God's twins' mercies for us. Because John 10.10, the rest of it says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. When God created the heavens and the earth on the sixth day, he said it was very good. Genesis 1.31, he didn't say it was okay. He didn't say it's good and we need to destroy this a little bit. He said it was very good. And then sin came in and it disrupted and it corrupted everything. I want you to say this out loud and type this in the chat. I want you to understand this. Satan wants to destroy me. Say this. Satan wants to destroy me. Say it again. Satan wants to destroy me. The reason I have you repeat stuff and say it because I want you to engage and not fall asleep. And when I was younger, I used to sit in the back, coming in after a long hours of work, working at 4 o'clock in the morning, and then doing church at 9, and I'd be like this. <laughs> so I've learned. But when the, when the pastor engaged me, I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm awake. So that's why I have you repeat. So you need to understand that sickness does not come from God. It's not his way to discipline you. It is the devil's work to destroy. To destroy you. So we must address this then. Does Jesus want to heal everyone or is it some? Because there is some of us that think, well, Jesus only heals some. There are some of us that think that Jesus only heals the elect, the most spiritual, the closer to him. But this is not true. Jesus actually wants to heal all. Acts 10, verse 38 says this, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Matthew 8, 16 says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and, drove, and he drove out all the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Okay? Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42 says, A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, make me clean. Okay? This is Jesus' response. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man, I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, he, bore him, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Because by his wounds you have been healed. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
Isaiah 53, 5, which we read in the beginning, says this, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Psalm 103, verses 2 to 3 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Jesus wants to heal you. Now, how he does it? I don't decide that. He does. There are different methods that Jesus can use. There's divine healing. There's healing through medicine. There's natural healing. Your body is made to heal itself. Anyone ever get a cut? Over time, it goes away. Maybe it leaves a scar, depending. But Jesus wants to heal you. So today I want to talk to you about three things. Some keys, some tips that can help you walk in this healing of Jesus, because he wants to heal all. Because over the last number of weeks, I've been talking to many of you, and I've been hearing, I'm not feeling well. You know, I'm under the weather. And I'm like, okay, enough's enough. What's going on? So the first thing I want to talk to you about is this, is the believer's authority. The believer's authority. You need to know, and I said this three weeks ago, and I will say it again until you really get it, That you have authority in Jesus Christ. Now, you have authority doesn't doesn't mean like you get to boss people around just for the fact. (laughs) People don't serve you. By the way, if you are a follower of Jesus, authority in Jesus usually means you're serving others. Right? The higher you go in leadership is the more you serve others. The believer's authority. You have authority. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. John 14 verse 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. Some Bibles, it's in red letters. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Romans 8.37 says, Now no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Mark chapter 16, verses 17 to 18. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you because I believe the word is the most powerful thing that we can use to talk. Verse 17 says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. This is to every believer of Jesus Christ. Not some, but to every believer. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 to 10 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, talking about Jesus, and gave him the name that is above every name. And at that name, the name of Jesus, every name should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 3. And we're going to start at verse 3 and read to verse 6. Your subtitle might be, Peter Heals a Lame Beggar. Verse 3 of Acts chapter 3. It says, In one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. And now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. 
Pay attention to Peter's response. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Walk. The same Jesus, the Holy Spirit that empowered Peter, is still alive in you and I today. The reason, though, that some of us don't exercise this authority is because we don't know we actually have this authority or to what extent this authority allows us to operate in. I shared this with the dream team during the huddle. I'm not going to give it all to you, but I need to tell you this. The average person, 15 to 23 years old recently, a study was just done, spends about five and a half hours a week engaged in the word. That includes Sundays, by the way. They spend 2,767 hours a year on the screen, which works out to an average of 53 and a half hours a week. That's a full-time job and then some. Okay? But they're only consuming five and a half hours of actual spiritual content. In Canada, a study was done just before COVID. One in six Christians, followers of Christ, actually engaged in the word of God three or more times a week. I want you to think about that for a second. The only way you're going to know the authority you have is this right here. This right here. This gives you the instructions. This gives you the access. This gives you the activation. This gives you the boundaries. Because with God's blessings also come responsibilities. A lot of us want the blessings but not the responsibilities. To operate in the authority of Jesus Christ, there are responsibilities as well. There is a price to be paid. So to walk in this thing of Jesus being your healer, you have to understand you have authority. You do not have to, not saying you shouldn't, but you don't have to wait to a special person to come and lay hands on you. I used to think that growing up. If I wanted something serious from God, I wanted direction, I wanted healing, I needed provision or whatever, I would wait for this awesome guest speaker to come, or I would find them and say, I have to go. And when they lay hands on me, I was going to receive whatever it is I need to receive. You know how many times I actually received what I needed to receive in that moment? It's very little. (laughs) But God worked outside of that. And you need to understand, um, there's nothing against those things, by the way. It's biblical, you know, you come, you know, people impart. That's a biblical thing. Impartation is a biblical thing. Another sermon for another day. But you need to know that the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that is in these people is the same one that's in you. And you have authority over the devil. He has been defeated. He's already been conquered. And sometimes you just have to remind him of where he belongs. But you have the same authority. But what you do with that authority, what you do with that is on you. And one day, we all have to stand before Jesus, believer or not, and give an account So what are you doing with the authority that you have in Jesus? Because the same Holy Spirit that was in Peter and said silver or gold, 
I don't have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. You can also give to others. I'm sure some of us know people in our workplaces, in our schools, friends who are not doing so well in life. You can give them the best gift ever, and that is of Jesus Christ. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is in you. So to understand healing a little bit, you need to understand the authority that you have. And again, this only applies if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not a follower, not just someone that attends church once in a full moon, but an actual disciple of Jesus Because you need to understand that in here, it tells you, actually instructs you how to be a disciple of Jesus. Sometimes I'm like this. I want to serve Jesus on my terms, my ways. But I'm learning and still learning that God's blessings come within God's boundaries and God's boundaries provide his blessings. I can't expect God's blessings if I step outside his boundaries and try to do things my way. It's not a choose-your-own-Jesus. That's why the Word tells us to count the cost daily. Count the cost daily to lay, lay down our lives for Jesus. So we have the believer's authority. So I want you to say, I have authority in Jesus. The next thing I want to talk to you about is the believer's faith. Because authority and faith go hand in hand. Hebrews 11.1, most of us know this. We could probably say this by heart. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Verse 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is taking God at face value at his word. It is believing that he is going to do what he says he is going to do. If I promise my children that we're going out to eat, I will never hear the end of it until I fulfill that promise. (laughs) Dad, are we going yet? If I promise them that they're going to get an allowance for doing a chore, my son reminded me this morning, can I get that $5 you told me about the other day? Yes, you can. They will not forget Because they believe that I am a good dad and that I'm a man of my word. And what I say I'm going to do, I am going to do. No questions asked. If I tell them I love them, they know that I love them unconditionally. Even when they get in trouble and I have to have a stern talking to, they still know in the midst of all of that that I still love them. And it is the same thing when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. We have to believe that what he said he is going to do, he is going to do. If he says he is our provider, he is going to provide. If he says he is going to heal, then he is going to heal. If he's going to save, he's going to save. If he's going to answer prayer, we have to believe it. Not, well, I think, or this applies to them but doesn't apply to me. No, this applies to me. Faith rises above your five senses. Your five senses may say, this seems illogical. This doesn't make sense. You shouldn't do this. It didn't make sense for Noah to build an ark. It just didn't. He didn't know what rain was. 
never heard of a flood over the earth in his entire life. But he said yes anyway. Did he have questions along the way? I'm pretty sure he did. He was human. Right? Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. Three million people. That's a huge deal. Joseph. Like all these people had faith, but they had their struggles too. But you have to rise above your five senses. In Canada, in the U.S., but I'll speak to just Canada because we're in the Canadian context. Other cultures outside of Canada understand the spiritual realm very well and the supernatural realm. But in Canada, we're all about this. Knowledge. It is our biggest God, small g, in this nation. Everything's about knowledge. We reduce everything to knowledge. Everything. Everything. And so when we talk about, even to Christians, about faith, because it doesn't make sense here, we have a problem. For some of us, we try to take the things that are in the spirit and make them rational and logical. And we can't. And when we can't, sometimes we just give up and say, eh. Faith goes beyond that. Faith goes beyond reason. And it says, I trust my God enough, even though it doesn't make sense, even though I might look like a goofball sometimes, I trust that his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that his promises for me are yes and amen. You have to also understand that faith is a verb. It is not a noun. Faith is present tense, now faith, Hebrews 11.1, but it is also a verb. It requires action. It requires action. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Go down a few verses to verse 17. And it says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, for we live by faith and not by sight. If you want to grow in your faith, get into the word. Romans 10, 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the word and, the, and hearing through the word of God. NIV version says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. If you are low on faith, you need to get into this. Praying for faith might help you a little bit, but you need to get into this. And you also need to surround yourself with people that actually have faith. If you want to get to somewhere that you haven't been before, but you want to get there, find people who are already there and get around them, humble yourself. And learn from them. And that applies in every area of life. If you want to go somewhere, you want to be great at something, you want to grow in something, find people that are already there. If you're a five in the area and you want to move to a nine, then you got to humble yourself and find some people that are nines and tens and learn. Suck it up, buttercup, and move along is what my kids like to say. (laughs) And it's the same thing when it comes to your faith. If your faith is at a two, and you've been serving Jesus for 20 years, that's a problem. 
You should be getting around people who have faith at a 9 and a 10 level and grow in it. And get into the word. We live in a nation today where we have no excuse as to why, as a follower of Christ, we don't know this and act on this. I don't like reading. Great. Guess what? You can pop in your phone, open up the Bible app, pop in some earbuds, AirPods, whatever you want to call them, and you can listen. You can watch the Bible. It exists. If you're more of a visual person. If you want to study the Bible, there are free resources out there. More resources than I care to tell you than that was available when I was even in Bible college. I remember having to buy like the thick commentaries and spend hundreds of dollars on them. It was crazy. All of it is now available for free online. You want to walk in faith? You have no excuse in this nation in Canada to not walk by faith. We have people in other countries around the world, followers of Christ, who experience real persecution. I'm not talking about social media persecution, but real persecution for the faith. It requires their lives. There are children, as we speak right now, heads are being chopped off for their faith. And they have more faith than us. And they have less resources. What is our excuse? The believer's faith. It is an action word. It is not a noun. It goes above the senses, but we must act on it. You can't say, well, I believe God is a good God and walk around miserable all the time. Your actions are a reflection of what you believe. Let me say this again. Your actions are a reflection of what you believe in your heart. Some of us are great at putting on the the church hallelujah face on a Sunday. And then when we walk out of here, we act like our God is no different, makes no different in our lives whatsoever. Faith is action. And if we have the authority to believe that Jesus is our healer, then we must act on it as well. Meaning maybe we have to start confessing the word, reading the word, doing some homework on it, and learning for ourselves. Podcasts are great. I like to listen to podcasts. Watching a sermon is great. I like to do that too. But you need to get into this for yourselves and act on it. And the last key I want to talk to you about is the believer's authority, the believer's faith, but is the believer's confession. The believer's confession. Proverbs talks about there is life and death in the power of the tongue. I can't say that I have faith in Jesus and confess something else out of my mouth. So, you know, I get upset at this. We can't say that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but act like the person we were before we even accepted Jesus. It just doesn't work. We can't say, I love Jesus, he's awesome, he's whole, he's pure, he's whatnot, and then what comes out of my mouth is garbage and trash and trucker's language and all that kind of stuff. You can't act one way and confess something else. What comes out of your mouth, your confession, is a reflection of what's in your heart. Let me say this again. Your confession is a reflection of what you actually believe. It is a reflection of what's in your heart. Does Jesus heal? Yeah, oh, well. That's a reflection of what you actually believe. 
Your confession matters. Some of us, though, again, I bring it right back to this, don't know what to confess because we don't know this. We have a lot of this, not enough of this. Let me just read something here for you. Proverbs 18.21, I said, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Romans 10, chapter 9, or chapter 10, verse 9 says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God had raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is a confession because there is a belief in your heart. The same word for saved here is the same word I talked about at the beginning, sozo, which means to save and preserve life, to heal, to deliver, to redeem. You have to believe in your heart, and out of that comes the confession. So let me ask you some food for thought, but what are you confessing? What kind of things are you confessing as a believer in Jesus? I'm healed, but I still got aches and pains. Again, this is where faith rises above and beyond. And I tell you something, not many know this. First time I'm going to share this publicly. Don't shoot me for it. But for the last year, I've been battling a skin disease called vitiligo. Some of you have asked me, because you don't know, what this white patch has been on my face. It is not old age, I guarantee you that. (laughs) But it's something called vitiligo. It's a skin disease where the melanin in your body stops producing pigment. And I have it all over my body. Don't know where it came from. Don't know why it came. It just is. And I have been told, I've gone for treatments, that there is no cure for this thing. And I got tired of hearing that. And this is why I'm here today. Because I said, I know a God who cares above all things. And even though I look and I see that parts of me are not what they used to be, I believe I'm healed and I'm waiting for it to be manifested. I'm not walking around. I'm not asking you to lay hands on me and pray for me and feel sorry for me. I don't need that. (laughs) I, I don't need your sympathy, to be honest. And I don't need your empathy. And I don't say that facetiously. I'm just telling you the truth. I've gotten to a point. Well... This tells me different, because I look at my fingers, I remember one year ago what they looked like, and I look at them now, and they're totally different. I know what this looks like. I know what certain parts the skin color looks like, and even though, at times, it's been tough, and I've watched this thing spread like wildfire, and I've seen color disappear, I'm acting, I'm preaching to you as much as I'm preaching to myself today, because I'm walking this out. That even though the symptoms say something different, even though I've already been told that this is a lifetime thing, it's not going anywhere, that there is no cure for this, I stand on the word that says, I am the Lord that heals thee. And that by his stripes, I am healed. Now, are there moments where they don't feel like it? Yes. Is it easy? I'm not telling you this so you can wake up every day and be like, hey, No, there were moments I have a pity party for myself and then I have a good wife who's like, let's move along. (laughs) I love you. But I'm saying your confession, my symptoms tell me something else. My faith tells me something. 
So I'm acting on it. But I'm not walking around being like, well, does Vitalago is going to do this to me? No. I believe I am healed and I am waiting for it to physically manifest. And when it does, I believe it will be to God's glory. Plain and simple. And maybe I'm just foolish enough and simple-minded enough to believe that. But that's just where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I'm going to call the worship team up to come up. Because they're going to lead us in a song. We do have communion today. But I'm at a point in my relationship with Jesus, and maybe it's because I turned 40 last year, where I'm approaching the Bible and the things of Jesus in a different way. I'm just keeping it simple. Forgetting all the theology, forgetting everything else, all the rituals, and I'm just looking at it and saying, okay, if this is what you say, I hold you at it. God, you can't go against your word. Here goes. What that looks like, I leave it in your hand. That's just me. Because for 20 years, I've been trying to complicate the stuff, and it's never worked. And so what I give to you, I give it to you very simply today. So when you feel discouraged, confess Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes I am healed. If you're feeling weak, confess 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, which says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Romans, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. There is power in the tongue. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. We're going to get ready for communion in a moment, but before we get there, I'm going to read to you Isaiah 53.5 again, because it's a verse that we always read associated with communion. And it says, I'm going to read from the New King James Version, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. His body was broken for us, and his blood was poured out for us. Now I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. They had a problem amongst them. They were eating the Lord's Supper unworthy, and many were sick. But this is what it says. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Most of the time, when we hear this, we think it just refers to sin. But recently, in just doing a study, just revelation, Holy Spirit revealed to me, it's bigger than that. It is actually understanding what Jesus actually did for us. His body was broken. By his stripes, we were healed. His body was broken so that we can receive healing. His blood was poured out for salvation of sin. His body, Roman tradition was 40 lashes minus one because they believed that the extra lash would actually end your life. And when we talk about a whipping, I'm not talking about where you buy a whip and you just go to town. That hurts enough. But this whip, back in the day, actually had little blades at the end. And it was an art. They would take it, put it in your back, and they would pull and make sure they drag it so they can take every chunk of skin out of you. 
If you read the scriptures correctly, Jesus wasn't this handsome man at the end of the day. He was completely disfigured. You could see his insides. He took 39 of those stripes so that we, you and I, can be healed. Not just salvation, but every benefit that comes with it. So before we get into this song, I want to ask everyone for every eye to be closed, every head to be bowed. And I'm going to give you this moment to examine yourself, whether it's sin, whether it's your understanding of communion, whatever. In this moment, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give revelation to you, but to lay it down all on the line. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.